Welcome to the MPYA podcast. MPYA is a gathering designed specifically for young adults. In this podcast, you'll hear messages from our gatherings, as well as conversations that we hope will help you navigate these defining years of your life. We hope you'll join us as we explore practical ways we can follow Jesus in our everyday lives. As always, be sure to follow us on Instagram, at North Point Young Adults, and subscribe to the podcast if you like what you hear. But with that in mind, let's jump into this week's episode. Well, you guys can go ahead and find your seats. We're gonna get started here in a second. Man, shout out to all the extroverts in the room going for it. Clay was like, yeah, man, just give it like a minute or so and then it'll die down. I'm like, bro, I don't, I don't think it's dying down anytime soon. They, they really like each other. I probably would have been the one still sitting on uh, a chair or a couch being an introvert. So, uh, man, it, it's so cool to be here. As Clay said, uh, my name is Zach Tenner, um, and I have the, the privilege of being able to, to lead Inside Out, which is our high school ministry here um, at North Point. And so it is a, a joy to be able to be here. I see some of my, my amazing small group leaders. Where are my small group leaders at in the house here? Hey, shout out Jacob. I see you in the back. Gas me up. Make them like me more. But, uh, no, it's really cool. Uh, I came on staff here probably about six months ago, uh, and it's really cool. My wife actually came on staff here a couple months ago as well. And so we have been loving our time here at North Point and getting to be a part of this church. And so uh, I'm really honored to be here with you guys tonight. Um, it's, it's cool even being able to see you guys uh, go for it in worship. Uh, it's just something that's, that's really special, and I think it's something very unique uh, being able to be in this space with you. But you guys have an incredible team who's leading you. Can you guys uh, just give it up for Clay and Nathan and Kayla and all the amazing things that, that they do to make this happen? I know that it's a, it's a sacrifice, and it's not always an easy thing to be able to do. So um, they are amazing, and it's, it's cool to see what God's building because he's clearly blessing so many things that's happening in this ministry. But even as uh, Clay said, we're going to be hopping in a series over the next few weeks called Living the Dream, How to Get Where You Want to Go. And I mean, I don't know, like just, just being in uh, your 20s, so many of us in this room, it feels like that's going to be such uh, a pertinent topic uh, for so many of us to be able to go over and be able to talk about over the next few weeks. But even as he began to, to tell me about what this series was and where it's going, I mean, even that tagline, I love it, how to get where you want to go. Uh, one of the most debated things I could think about uh, were the navigation systems that are in our car. Uh, and so where's my, where are my Apple Maps people in the room? You guys, you guys in here anywhere? Well, do we got any Waze folks in the house, Allie unashamedly on Waze? Now, where are God's chosen people, the Google Maps folks that are in the house? Man, that makes me so happy that there's so much passion behind Google Maps because it's so clearly the best of all of them. And, and I'm not up for uh, any debating along with that. I mean, shout out to Google uh, because they, they, got it, they got it right. But uh, one thing you need to know about me is I'm, I'm originally from Indiana, and uh, whoa, wow, Indiana? Really? Evansville. Let's freaking go, baby. We love that. Uh, but I'm originally from Indiana, and I remember there was a point when I, when I was an Apple Maps guy. 
Uh, and I was an Apple Maps guy because I was like, if I have an iPhone, clearly, like, Apple made this product, so surely they know what they're doing when it comes to a navigation system. Used to use Apple Music, all that kind of stuff. Uh, until one night, about 10 years ago, I was in college, and I remember I was going somewhere. It's really late at night in, in Indiana, and I'm heading to somebody's house at like 10 o'clock or something like that. And Apple Maps had me going down a road, and it's like, hey, you're going to get to your destination in five miles. And then you get closer, it's four miles. By this time, I'm in the boonies. And uh, as you can see, I, I'm not the complexion of people who like to go into those kind of places. But, uh, you know, I'm just going to trust the process. I'm going to trust the maps. Uh, and so it's like, man, you're two miles, you're one mile, you're a half mile. And I'm like, ain't nothing around here. I'm just driving through cornfields in the dark at this point, kind of like uh, probably my nightmare. But uh, I'm driving down this road and it's like, man, you're, you're 300 feet away, 200 feet. You've arrived at your destination. I'm like, I do not think this is my destination. I'm not getting out of my car right here. Uh, and at this point, I have completely lost all signal. And so uh, I, I just decide I'm going to keep driving until I get to a point where I get signal again. And uh, finally, when I get signal, I say, I'm, I'm going to download Google Maps right now. And I download Google Maps, and they begin to reroute me from where I was to where I needed to go. But it was a very stressful night uh, in, the, in, the, in the tenor household inside my head. That was a fun time. But uh, when, when I think about that, I think it can be so true of our lives because there's somewhere that each of us are, are trying to get to. There's somewhere that, that each and every one of us want to go. But, but, but so often, I, I think it can be uh, a really easy thing to, to find yourself in a place where it's like, man, I am not where I am supposed to be. Like, surely there's another place where I, I need to go. Surely there's another place outside of where I'm at where I need to be. And like I said, I know there's a lot of 20-somethings in this room and I'm barely holding on to my 20s by a thread. I got about six months left before I start going downhill. Uh, but <laughs> y'all are excited in here. I love this room. But I know there's so many people in here. And I, I remember being even in my early and my mid-20s. And I remember finding myself in this place where I was in grad school at this point. I'd been working part-time at a church for about three years. And I was just in this space where I just knew, like, where I was at wasn't where I was ultimately going to be. And I began to get really discontent in the place that I was in. And uh, I know some people wrestle with some of these things on a daily basis, but I remember for the first time really feeling like a weight of like anxiety and depression and just this real heaviness that was over my life. And it was all around because I, I didn't feel that I was in the place where I was supposed to be. And I don't know, that may be where some of you are at in this room, if I'm guessing, there may even be a large number of you who may be in a place like that. Well, you find yourself in a place where it's like, man, you, you finally got the job that you thought was going to be the job where you were going to be planted. This is going to be my place. And you begin to get into it. And it's like, man, this isn't what I thought it was. Is this really where I'm supposed to be? And I know there's some people in this room who made a five-year plan for when they were going to get married, and you're on about year four, month six, and you're like, ah, I might have to start this plan over. It might be an eight-year plan, but God knows. Um, but maybe you're in this place, and it's like, man, I'm so ready to have that relationship. And it's just like, man, there's no way that I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be 
there. I, again, like I said, I was in Indiana, and I was in this place where I was like, man, like I, I really feel like there's somewhere else I'm supposed to be, and maybe that's you, and you find yourself here in and around Atlanta, and you're like, man, like I, I really feel like God has something else for me, but there's no doors that are opening, and you almost feel like you're in this place where you're stuck. And even as we're talking about living the dream, if you're honest with yourself, you're like, I'm not living a dream uh, that I want to live. In fact, it almost feels like I'm sleepwalking through something that feels like a nightmare. And so I know that that is very real. I know that at certain points in my life, it's very real. But I know that there's some people in this room that even as I begin to talk about some of those things, there's something in your heart that begins to, to turn a little bit. As you begin to think about all the places that you feel like you're supposed to be, but for whatever reason, God doesn't have you there. God has you right here. So I'm excited to, to talk to you about what I get to talk to you about tonight because it's very near and dear to my heart. But um, one of the things that I love is I love the Bible, big Bible guy. And so one of the things I love about the scriptures is that even in September of 2023, uh, there were things that were written thousands of years ago that I think still can even help us as we begin to wrestle with some of these things. And so tonight we're going to be hopping uh, into a text really in Acts 16, uh, really the end of Acts 15. We're going to get into Acts 16. That's where we're going to camp out for a little bit. Um, but we're going to be talking about a story um, where there were so many closed doors and how even in the midst of it, uh, God was working something behind the scenes. But uh, before we even get into the text, would you, would you pray with me one more time? Father, we thank you uh, for today. We thank you um, for what you're doing in this room, and we thank you for each and every person that's in this room. Father, there's so many different people in this room. There's no way that, that I could ever speak to, to everyone in this room. But, Father, I'm so thankful that we're serving a God who can. And so, Father, each and every person that's in this room, Father, would you just take these words and just multiply them in whatever way that they, they need to be heard? And would you even begin uh, to change the, the trajectory and the path of someone's life in this room? And so, God, we love you, and we ask all these things. In your name, amen. And so before we hop in, I want to give you guys a little bit of context of what's happening. Uh, context is always nice when you're reading the Bible, but uh, I know a lot of us know the story of a man named Paul. Uh, and so Paul had uh, quite a bit of a journey. Some of us know, I mean, he spent a lot of his life persecuting the faith of Christianity, going to arrest Christians, kill Christians. And then he has uh, this wild encounter with Jesus where everything begins to change in his life. But one thing that uh, I found, even as I was studying for this message, is uh, there was someone in the story by the name of Barnabas. And Barnabas, when Paul kind of has his conversion, it's like, oh man, like Jesus has this call on my life to go and tell people about him. There's uh, this guy named Barnabas who vouches for him. Because again, Paul was out here persecuting people. And so when Paul comes around the disciples, they weren't too thrilled. Like, ah, I don't know if I really want to hang out with you like that. But Barnabas is right there in the story. And Barnabas uh, vouches for him and says, no, 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 God has done a work in his life. And he is going to do some amazing things with this gospel, with this message, taking it to new places. And so Paul and Barnabas become boys. They go out and do ministry together. Everything's going great. 
uh, until a little bit of drama creeps in. I'm sure nobody knows about drama in this room, but uh, just in case anybody does, there's a guy in the story who's Barnabas' cousin, and his name is Mark. And things got hard along the journey of ministry, and it actually says that in the middle of this journey where they're out doing mission work, Mark dips out. He's like, ah, this is hard. I don't know that this is for me. And so Mark ends up leaving. And so Paul and Barnabas end up uh, continuing to do ministry. And then they get to a place where they're about to go on another journey together. And Barnabas is like, cool, this is exciting. Let me go get my cousin Mark. And Paul is like, full pause. He ain't coming with us because he's going to ditch us when it gets hard. And then Barnabas is like, well, what about second chances? All these things. Like, we know your story, Paul. Like, all of these things, they get into disagreement. The scripture doesn't actually say that. I don't don't know. But I'm sure there was some tension that was going on. But there becomes this place where uh, because of the tension that had arose in their relationship, they actually say that it's better for them to split off. And so Barnabas goes with his cousin Mark, and they go to do the work of the Lord. And then Paul ends up going with a guy named Saul Silas to spread the gospel. And so that's a little bit of what's happening beforehand. And so we're going to hop into the very last two verses of Acts 15, and then we're going to jump right into Acts 16 and verse 6. But at the end of Acts 15, it says, But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And so we're going to go to verse 6 in Acts 16, and it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and they went down to Troas during the night. And it says that Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And then in verse 10, it says, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So we're going to pause right there. So it says that Paul and Silas begin to go out on this journey and they begin to travel through some different cities in order to to spread the gospel to these different places. And they go to a place and it says that uh, the Holy Spirit would not allow them to go. And then it says that they would go to another city to try to preach. And it says the Holy Spirit would not allow them to go into this other place as well. And so uh, essentially what's happening is Paul has this, this call on his life. Paul has this thing that he knows Jesus wants him to do. He has this uh, mission, really, for his life. And it's like he goes to this place, and it's like the door is shut. And then he goes to another place, and it's like, oh, there's another closed door there. And he keeps going to these different cities, and he keeps finding every single place that he goes to has a closed door in front of him. But I think the way that even maybe a perspective shift for us in this room tonight Because I know some of us, we find these different closed doors in our lives. We find these different places where it's like, man, again, I think I'm supposed to be there, but the door is closed. Or maybe I'm supposed to go there, but that door was closed as well. Well, I would like to maybe propose to you that it's not a closed door, but it's actually just the Holy Spirit that's rerouting your life. It might just be the Holy Spirit that is taking you in a different direction. And uh, I know there might even be some people in this room that because of closed doors that you've seen in your life, you may think that God does not care about you. 
because he's closed the door on a relationship or a job or whatever it may be in your life. But I I just want to propose to you, maybe it's not God closing a door, but it's the Holy Spirit protecting you to not be in a place that you have no business being at. Like it might just be the Holy Spirit who doesn't want you to make a, a really dumb mistake in a relationship that you have no business being in. Or maybe it's that he doesn't want you to step out of the place that you're in because there's something that God might want to use you for in another place. But even as we look at some of these places that Paul went to, I want to throw up a map just so that we can kind of get a little bit of uh, what's going on in this story. And so I I found this map on uh, Google. Shout out Google again. But uh, I actually got this really cool laser pointer from PetSmart today. Did you guys know if you want a laser pointer, you go to PetSmart? Like, I was legitimately looking. I went to Target, and I found myself on the cat aisle. I'm like, what am I doing here? And then I called my wife, and she told me I'm an idiot. So, Because uh, apparently this is what you use for cats. But a little bit of what's going on in here is that Paul kind of starts out down here in Jerusalem, and it says that he makes his way up to Syria, and then he makes his way over to kind of this region in Phrygia, then he goes up here through Bithynia and through Mysia, and then it says that he has this vision that he's actually supposed to get on a boat, kind of go through this place right here until he gets to this place over in the Macedonia, Philippi, Neapolis area. Now, the thing is, is that he's supposed to go from here to there. So to go all the way around this way, I'm sure, was not in Paul's plans according to where he was supposed to go. But again, he starts here and he keeps going to all of these different places. Again, by foot. They didn't have no cars back then. And so he's going to all of these different places. And every place that he goes, it says that the Holy Spirit keeps shutting the door on why he goes to this city. Every single place that he goes, the door continually gets shut in front of him. And I don't know what it would be like, but I would imagine, again, I don't want to read too much into it, but if I was Paul in that moment, how many times would it have went through my head or maybe even your head, God, why did you put this call on my life if you keep shutting every door that I'm trying to go through? But I think that there was something even more that God was doing. And so uh, if we hop back in the text, into verse 13, we kind of see a little bit of what happens as Paul winds up in this area near Neapolis. In verse 13, it says, On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we were expected or where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God, and it says the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Verse 15 says, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. She said, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And it says that she persuaded us to do so. And after continually Paul going through all of these closed doors in his life, I think a feeling again that you and I can understand. He finds himself in this place after he's been rerouted by the Holy Spirit. He finds himself in this place called Neapolis. And again, I can only imagine what's going through Paul's head at this point. Closed door after closed door 
after closed door. And he finds himself, he says that there's a meeting, a prayer meeting that's going on right outside the city. And it says that there were some women there. And it says that uh, God brought him to this prayer meeting and he meets a woman who was a dealer in purple cloth. That's so dope, uh, by the way. I don't know, that has nothing to do with anything, but uh, she was just a dealer in purple cloth. So this woman who is out here making a living, selling these, these purple clothes, it says that Paul has an encounter with her there. And it says that things in her life begin to change. This woman by the name of Lydia. And so even as I was reading this text, there were a few things that I think are just so helpful for us as we are kind of navigating some of these tensions even that many of us may walk through. And so this first one uh, just kind of popped out to me. It was that she was a worshiper, that being Lydia, but not yet a follower of Jesus. She was a worshiper, but not yet a follower of Jesus. So essentially, she was religious, but she never had that relationship or that, that, that encounter with, with Jesus in her life. And really, this is, this is just like bonus stuff. This really doesn't have anything with where I'm going to go. But man, is it not the scariest thing that you can be religious and not know Jesus? Like, is that not one of the wildest things that you can know what time to get to young adults, that you can know what time church is on Sunday, that, that you can know when the Bible study is, and you can have all the religious things down, but still not have a grasp on who Jesus is. Like, I, I don't know. Again, I, I don't even, I, I'm sure I'm talking to somebody in this room because this really isn't where I'm going, but it's just so fascinating to me that you can be a worshiper of God without being a follower of Jesus. Because that is the story of Lydia as uh, she has this encounter with Paul. And uh, it says that she begins to hear the message of Jesus and the Holy Spirit begins to open her heart and her life is changed. And so I don't want you to miss this. When Jesus changed her life, she had to tell everyone that she knew. When Jesus changed Lydia's life, she had to tell everyone that she knew. Again, the text says that she has this encounter with Jesus, and then after she has this thing, that her whole household gets baptized. Her whole household gets baptized. Again, she is the one who had the encounter with Paul. There wasn't anybody in her family, but what happened in her life was so powerful that she had to go back and tell her family and all these people that she knew because what she had just learned was that important and she had to tell everybody. It's that moment and maybe it's for, for you when you've gotten to that place where you made that, that, that decision to follow Jesus and you have this fire that begins to stir up inside of you and it's like, Everybody I know has to hear this message. And she begins to tell everybody about this guy named Jesus and how uh, she's just had this life-changing moment for her. But so often, again, we have that moment, and then slowly after time, it begins to fade away and fade away and fade away. But, I mean, man, just, just how powerful would it be if we could grasp what's happening in Lydia's life where it's like she hears that message, and it's like, no, people need to know about this guy named Jesus. And so she was a worshiper, but she wasn't a follower of Jesus. Then she gets her life changed, and she has to tell everybody that she knows. And the last point, which is really where we're going for this entire message, is you can have confidence that God is going to get you where he wants you to go. God is going to get you where he wants 
you to go, I don't know, I think there's somebody who's not hearing me. God is going to get you where he wants you to go. Now, when I was writing that out, I wanted to be very careful with my words because it's not necessarily that he's going to get you where you want you to go, but I promise you that God is going to put you in the exact place that you need to be. I'm so confident in that, I know it, but the route that he might take you to do it might not be the route that you were wanting to take. Because if you begin to think about everything that just transpired in Paul's life, again, he had to go on a split with one of his mentors, someone who would have been his best friend, and he goes through Jerusalem and Syria and Galatia and Bithynia and Mysia and Samothrace and Neapolis, and he goes on this big journey just so that he could meet this woman by the name of Lydia. He goes through all of these places just so that he could meet this woman named Lydia. And one thing that you may not know is that the gospel had never gone to Europe yet. And so Lydia is actually the first convert in Europe that ever made the decision to follow Jesus. And so I'm like, man, God, was your plan that big enough that you took him through all those places that you begin to close all those doors just so that he could have this encounter with this woman named Lydia? Why was Lydia so important? If you flip your Bible to Revelation, you don't have to do it right now, but there's this point in Revelation where there are these letters, these messages that were sent to seven churches. Now you think, Revelation, the, the, the very last book of the Bible, there have been so many churches that have been planted. There have been so many churches that have been started. There have been so many uh, churches that Paul had even had a direct hand in starting. And so you can only imagine how many churches there are at this point, but there are seven churches, not a very high percentage, but seven churches that are, that are listed. But if you open up your Bible and you begin to look at those seven churches, there's a church that is in this place called Thyatira. And if you're wondering what that is, the only other time in the Bible that place is mentioned is that that was Lydia's hometown. Come on, I, I don't think somebody's hearing me. Not only that, God took Paul on this journey. Closed door, closed door, closed door, closed door. God, why are you doing this? And then he gets to a place where he meets this woman named Lydia. And I, I think it's reasonable to deduct at this point that God took Paul on a journey so that Lydia could be converted and begin to start this church in her hometown. That's one of seven churches that is listed at the end of the Bible. Thyatira is not mentioned anywhere else in the scripture except in Lydia's story and in the book of Revelation. And so when I think about how God's going to get you where he wants you to go, I think of an important question for, your, for you to ask yourself is, where has the gospel not gone yet in your life? Where, where has the gospel not gone yet in your life? I would even go as far as to say the primary reason God has you in the place that you're at right now, the place that you may not want to be, the place that you may not have foreseen you being, the primary reason God has you there is because somebody needs to know about Jesus that is in your life right now. Zach, how do you know that? It's because I have the final words of Jesus in the book of Matthew when he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. If you really want to die, 
drive into the Greek, it actually is, therefore, as you're going. So therefore, as you're going at that job where you didn't think you would be at, make disciples. Therefore, as you are going in that friend group that you don't know why you're in it, make disciples. As you are going in your singleness and you want to be married and you want to be in this other place, as you are going, make disciples. God is going to get you where he wants you to go. But don't discount the places along the journey. Matter of fact, I think one of the most important things that you and I can put into practice is we need to stop telling God what he's allowed to use in our journey. We got to stop telling God, I'll start serving you when I'm in that other season. No, no, no. We need, to, we need to stop telling him what he's allowed to use in your journey. Because if you knew the links that God would go to reroute your life, it would change so much for you. Again, I can talk about the life of Paul, but I can even tell you about my life a little bit. Just a little bit about me. Like I said, I'm from Indiana, and I remember in my early 20s, I found myself in this place where I'm like, God, why do you have me here? I have no idea why I'm in this place. And even while I was feeling that, God began to start transitioning some things in my life, and I got my first big boy job, and I found myself in Starkville, Mississippi, Hale State, I guess, to the Mississippi State people. But uh, I was in this place, and I thought this was going to be it. This was going to be the job. This is going to be where I was going to get planted. And pretty soon into that job, it was like, hold up, I, I don't know if this is where I'm supposed to be. And I was like, God, why do you have me in this place? And so I, I ended up leaving that job a little bit later, and I was like, God, what do you want with my life? Trying to be open-handed. I was a college pastor at that point. I was like, do I go be in campus ministry? Like, do I uh, go, I was interviewing with a job in New Mexico. Like, God, I don't know where um, I'm going to be. And God began to close those doors, and then he opened a door in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I found myself in Knoxville, and I mean, the most amazing thing about being in Knoxville was that uh, I met my wife, Crystal. And again, there's so many things that I could tell you that went into that journey, but I was in this place. I'd never been to Knoxville in my life, but this amazing thing just happened, and I loved my job. Matter of fact, God had this provision to, to get me this job. They created this position. My whole job was to go on campus at the University of Tennessee and build relationships, tell people about Jesus. I was like, man, this is dope. And then this thing that affected uh, a lot of lives called COVID happened. Uh, and I remember my boss, uh, <laughs> this was a wild conversation, uh, kind of gently uh, started to insinuate, you might not have a job at the end of the year. And I'm like, oh, dope, that's cool. Um, and so I didn't know, again, like, I love this job. God, you opened this door, and now it seems like you're trying to close this door. What are you doing right now? Fast forward about a week later, I have someone reach out um, at a church down the city called Passion, and I end up going to this church. Um, and I have no idea how they even know who I am, but come to find out the executive pastor in Mississippi had a huge part in passion and ended up putting in a good word for me and all these things. And it's like, you look back and it's like, well, why was I there? And it's like, God opened a door for me to come here. And it was cool to see how he kind of worked that out. And uh, while I was there, I, again, loved so many things about it. And I got connected, just a ministry conversation a little less than a year ago uh, with someone here at North Point and got some really good advice just about 
ministry and things like that. And uh, a couple weeks later, I got asked, like, hey, would you want to interview for this position that we have open? I'm like, I don't know. I don't think so. But, I mean, I'll, I'll talk to you, I guess. I don't know. And so, like, just kind of open-handed, had this conversation. And God started stirring something in me and my wife's heart. And I'm like, I don't know if I like this. I don't know if I want another transition. I don't know if I want to do this. But God began to give us so much peace along the way. And it's obviously I'm here in front of you tonight because God began to close certain doors and open certain doors. And he's taken me on a little bit of a journey, nothing like Paul, but I, I've seen the faithfulness of God in, in my life. But I would tell you is even in those different places that I was at, it's been so cool to see how God can use you even when you're in a place where you're not sure why you're there. One of my favorite stories was a high school student uh, when I was down at Passion. Her name was Caroline and her and her friend Riley came to our ministry one night and uh, they had never been connected, didn't know anybody. I ended up talking to them and meeting them and long story short, they ended up getting really involved in our ministry and they really began to be on fire for the Lord and what God was doing. Again, these are high school students. And one of the coolest moments was Caroline began to tell her sister the gospel. And her sister was very closed off to it, didn't want anything to do with church, wanted nothing to do with Jesus, thought it was a joke. Her sister ended up coming one night and she finds community, not yet saved, but finds community. And then fast forward a little bit later, I think it was like three weeks later, we had our winter retreat. And after one of the sessions, Caroline's sister comes up to me with her small group leader and says that she put her faith in Jesus that night. And it's like you get to see stories like that. Or I could tell you about Nathan in Knoxville. Again, I didn't know what God was doing, but uh, I was playing basketball in the gym, and I meet this guy named Nathan, and he's a, he's a believer. But uh, we start having this conversation, and there's just some things in his faith that he wasn't taking seriously at that point. And God used us to help kind of bring him into this small group, and we're teaching people how to tell people about Jesus, share their faith, all these things. And uh, Nathan comes to me one night, and he's like, I've never shared the gospel with anyone, but I really feel like God's calling me to, to share the gospel with one of my best friends who is his roommate. And so he begins to tell his roommate in college who he's known for 20 years. We all know how hard that can be about Jesus for the first time. And you get to see people begin to take hold of the gospel. Or my shortest stint, that was in Mississippi. Uh, there was a guy by the name of Ryan. And I met Ryan on campus at Mississippi State and played basketball all the time like he was a really cool dude and I, it was just kind of this thing where we spent a lot of time together and Ryan and I uh, we just had a lot in common and we just had a lot of cool conversations along the way but like I said God ended up moving me a couple different places and it was actually uh, I think it was April of 2021 I got this text from Ryan where he says Zach I just wanted to let you know that I put my faith in Jesus and a big part of that was you and another guy who was at our church and I just want you to know I'm getting baptized today and I wanted to let you know about just how God used you in my life again this isn't anything that's special about me but the the crazy part is that it was uh, about a year ago um, that I got a text from the other guy at that church and Ryan who was basketball coach best shape of his life had actually lost his life to COVID this guy's 24 years old it's a very difficult pill to swallow as you can imagine but it begins to make me think even as I felt so discontent in my life 
And I asked God so many times while I was in Mississippi, God, why do you have me here? This can't be where I'm supposed to be. But somehow in the midst of my rebellion and foolishness, God was able to use me and another guy to help share the gospel with him. And I'm confident I can stand before you today and say that he is in heaven looking down right now because somehow God was able to use a piece of my journey. Zach, why do you say that? I say that because even as we are thinking about this idea of how to get where you want to go, again, I want you to have confidence that God is going to get you exactly where you need to be and exactly where he wants you to be. But, oh, my goodness, who could be the person in your story that's in the journey? No matter how discontent you may feel, You can have confidence God's going to get you where he wants you to go, but I want you to know that exactly where you're at right now, God wants to use you in someone's life so that they can know this message that changes people's lives. Because we serve a God who is in the business of rerouting. I don't know, I feel like I'm just supposed to tell somebody in this room that you can, you can have confidence today. Maybe you feel like Lydia right now, but you can have confidence that you're on God's radar. You're even on God's radar tonight and that he hasn't forgotten about you. But that only happens when we live a life with open hands that says, God, Wherever you want me to go, I'll follow you. Let's pray together. God, we come before you tonight and we just want to say um, thank you for being sovereign. Thank you for knowing every step in our life before we even know where we're supposed to go. God, thank you for even in the midst of our rebellion and having plans of, God, I want to be somewhere else. Father, thank you for having enough grace to be able to use you or use us exactly where we're at. And so, God, I pray for the, the men and women who are, who are in this room who are just wrestling with, man, I, I don't know if I'm where I'm supposed to be, and I know that feeling oh so well, but, Father, would you just give them, even right now in this moment, a, a, a vision of how you can use them right now in their life, how you can use the very thing that they are wishing away, that you can use the very job that they're wishing away, the very city that they're wishing away, the very relationship uh, that they're, they're, they're trying to want so bad in their life. Father, Father, would you use that even right now? Father, will you even right now just show them that even as they have their plans and if they would just 
open their hands, that there is something that you want to do so powerfully with their life that is something that can only happen when they say yes to the plans that you have for them. Father, we, we thank you that uh, you care enough about us, that you care about our dreams and you care about the things that we want to do with our life. But Father, I pray that even more than our plans, we would surrender and that we would say yes to the things that you want to be true of our lives because when we say yes to those things, people's lives get changed and that's how you want to use this room. Oh, even right now, Father, would you bring to someone's mind the the person in their life who so badly needs to know this message, who so badly needs to know this Jesus who changed their life, who so badly need to be in this room, Father, would you even begin to give them the confidence and the courage to say yes, (laughs) to say yes to telling that person there's hope. And so God, may we trust you with the plans that so often feel so fickle in our lives. And would we trust that your plans are so much bigger and so much greater than ours. Father, we say thank you. We love you and we ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the NPYA podcast. To learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at North Point Young Adults or head to our website, northpoint.org slash youngadults. And if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss one. See y'all next time.